everyone. Welcome to another episode of Space Flex. This is the podcast where we review a movie and decide if it's worth the cost of beaming out to a lonely astronaut in space. And today we're reviewing Sound of Metal. Metal! <laughs> From director Darius Martyr. Mm-hmm. Um, and writers Darius Martyr, Abraham Martyr, and Derek, I don't know how to say his name, Cian France. Yeah. I'm sure that's wrong. Uh, yes, but that gentleman is a pretty well-known director at this point. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Well, we'll get into that in a moment, but first, do you want to read the synopsis, Adam? I do. Hold on one moment. Yes. A heavy metal drummer's life is thrown into free fall when he begins to lose his hearing. That's another That's short and simple uh, synopsis brought to you by IMDb. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk uh, expectations. Do you, are you familiar with, were you familiar with Derek Martyr or sorry, Derek, Darius Martyr or any of these uh, people or what did you know about this movie going in? Uh, I knew the synopsis basically. I knew nothing about Darius Martyr um, because uh, I don't think there's a ton to know uh, as, as far as his directorial work. Um, this looks to be his first uh, narrative fiction uh, feature film. Okay. Right. So he worked on other documentaries uh, and directed a documentary in 2008. But this is really his first, you know, like narrative fiction directorial credit. Um, Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that this was by someone who previously made documentaries or a documentary, I guess, suppose. I so I mean I suppose there are some elements that are sort of similar to documentary, sort of na- namely the camera style, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, to- but totally this doesn't it doesn't feel like a oh a documentary. and that was and that was two thousand eight, so that was eleven years prior, yeah, twelve years prior, and then um, he also wrote the screenplay for the Place Beyond the Pines, okay. Um, which was a you know a, a pretty like high profile movie with some pretty big actors with Ryan Gosling so. yeah mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper so um, so that but I but you know that being said no I didn't really know Darius Martyr at all and so um, but I did know uh, Riz Ahmed um, from uh, Rogue One mm-hmm. <laughs> among other mm-hmm. films um, and so. Uh, when we're talking about expectations, really my expectations were set totally by the trailer for the movie, um, which I, for whatever reason, I think I described this to you before I imagined to be as like, is this going to be like the wrestler? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Meaning it's like about a person who's trying to like make it in this world and they're willing to endure like horrible suffering in order to like have a shot. Right. Yeah. And I thought in his particular case, it was going to be, you know, like I want to play the drums in a rock and roll band and uh, I'm willing to destroy my body and specifically my ears in order to to make that happen. So that's mm-hmm. what I kind of imagined the story to be. Um, and I, I was like, is there just going to be like an hour of straight suffering yeah. in this movie? And I just wasn't ready. I just like and you weren't like super excited for mm-hmm. no, because um uh not a huge fan of just staring at human suffering in films yeah. i've learned about myself so that's what i expected a lars von trier movie <laughs> kind of yeah, yeah. right 
Yeah, like kind of that. Or like Aronofsky for that matter, yeah, right? Yeah. Just sort of like, just let's see some human suffering, some good old fashioned human suffering and terrible decision making for two hours. And, it's, I think and maybe in some we'll ways. we'll learn something or. <laughs> right. Maybe we'll benefit from it somehow. We will just observe the human condition, yeah. which is the death instinct, right? The death impulse. Um, so that was that was my expectation going. So I was kind of braced, you know what I mean? I was like, mm-hmm. kind of, my whole body was sort of tensed, and I was kind of just like waiting for it when when I clicked play. What about you? Um, I was not. I guess I definitely expected some um, discomfort. You know, I expected. Uh, a good amount of pain, but I wasn't, I wasn't quite as braced for that. Um, as it sounds like you were, I think going in the, the reason I became suddenly very interested in this movie is actually that, um, couple of, I, 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 I saw it listed, um, by a handful of critics as like the number one movie of the year for them in their, you know, top 10 lists. And, mm-hmm. um, so for me, I think, that that's actually seeing it listed on the as the number one movie of the year for some critics was the first I even heard of it. And then I checked out the trailer and I thought it looked, you know, it looked really good to me. Um, but it's funny, something about it being the number one movie of the year, uh, I think in, in some ways provided a bit of like a buffer for me. Like, it's hard for me to imagine one of those just pure misery movies being someone's favorite movie for the whole year. So I think, I think I didn't have that quite, you know, such um, pessimistic expectations in terms of just how painful it would be to watch. I think I assumed, and the trailer, the trailer definitely nudged me in this direction too. I assumed there would be, you know, some form of um, adapting and healing and learning to cope you know, that would be positive or like inspirational or, or at least, uh, you know, at the, at at least kind of bittersweet, um, that would take place in the movie. So I was looking forward to it and I was ready for, like I said, I was ready for some discomfort, but I wasn't expecting to just be like completely overwhelmed or beaten half to death by it. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I, I, for some reason, just like all these little elements of the film, in the way that it's presented up front, both like in the marketing as well as like the movie itself, I just expected sort of the prevailing aesthetic of the film to be sort of like a, like an ugliness, mm-hmm. right? It's like the name of the film is sound of metal, mm-hmm. right? Which is like, I don't think abrasive uh, yeah. as a material or as like a musical genre, it's like sort of known for like being abrasive and unpleasant, mm-hmm. right? Um, like the the image, like the still image that's used in all the marketing is like Riz Ahmed shirtless behind the drums, which I sort of like view as this sort of brutalist like image, right? Mm-hmm. Of him being like, of him pounding and probably like being pounded and being sort of like buffeted by like huge amounts of noise, yeah. right? The type of music they make is like this noise metal, mm-hmm. right? That I think is designed to be like really sort of a- aggressive and abrasive and difficult. And so I just expected everything about this to sort of be like uh, this parade of difficulty, this parade of ugliness sort yeah. of marching across your screen. Um 
And so like all of that just conditioned me for an experience that was, uh, you know, spoiler alert, like very different than the movie. Yeah, I was going to say, I I was going to say, but it wasn't those things. So, yeah. So what was your actual, um, because we talked about this a little bit before, you know, before this episode. And so I know, I know a little bit about how you feel about it, but like the movie ends like what's your kind of just initial reaction? Like uh, there must've been some like, wow, that is not what I thought. Or, or I mean, probably you had that feeling more like during the movie, during the film. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, but so maybe, Uh, maybe talk about that actual like sort of progression then of like, you sit down, you turn it on and you're kind of like ready for this. But like, as the movie goes on, you start to realize it's a little bit different. And then when it's over, what do you think? So I think I should save some of this for a different section of the podcast, which is, sure. you know, the like best, best parts of the film or whatever. But as, as a general concept, I think when we're talking about expectations and what, if we, what we got out of the film, I think something that I do on this podcast a lot is uh, complain about the movie not doing the thing that I wished the movie was trying to do, mm-hmm. even though I acknowledge simultaneously the movie was never the trying folly. to do that yeah, thing. Yeah. Right? And it's just like me being upset that my expectations weren't met. This is sort of the other the happy, end of the spectrum yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's like, oh, my expectations were you know, in such a place that as the movie subverted them, I was like delighted over and over again. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, this is actually a beautiful film, (laughs) right. About like sort of the, like the transcendence of stillness. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I was just sort of like in that way, as the movie sort of revealed itself to me and sort of, I, I think, intentionally like is very different than the way it presents itself right in the sort of opening bit and the, in the marketing, et cetera. I found that to be like a really delightful bait and switch. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was expecting sort of like this pulsing heart of pain in the middle of this film. And I feel like I was met with something very different and, and that like actually sparked like tremendous delight in me. And so like, to your point, like when the movie ends uh i just found like myself totally enraptured by it i was like what just a wonderful experience and so um you know this is one of those few instances where my expectations were set were set in such a direction by subverting them the movie actually sort of um vastly outperformed like from an enjoyment perspective what i expect uh what i had previously thought i was going to experience yeah yeah, mine. Um, so I think if yours is if yours was sort of like you know this this line from low expectations, kind of like upward, you know, as the as the movie progressed to sort of you know a crescendo towards by the time the movie's over, you have this really great impression of the movie. Mine was m- more. It was definitely not as steep of an incline, but only because my expectations were pretty high to begin with. Right. And so for me, I I also really loved the movie. Um, I wouldn't say I expected to love it because I I almost never sit down and expect to love a movie. That's like, um, you know, unless (laughs) unless it's a Christopher Nolan movie (laughs) and then he breaks my heart half the time. But I always still go in with those expectations. But 
Yeah. Um, but this I was expecting to really like. And I think I went from expecting to really like it to coming out and, you know, I don't know if I, 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 you know, maybe a year from now it won't, it won't have the same, you know, lasting impression on me. But right now I feel like I definitely really loved it. Um, yeah. For probably many of the same reasons as you. I think, I do think it's a beautiful movie. I think um, it, it, it's so... You know, I think it's also I I kind of appreciate the movie for kind of educating me more than I expected it to on the culture of, you know, the deaf community and something I I think I had sort of a dim awareness of. But um, the movie kind of helped me appreciate was the the way that, you know, this community exists of people who are deaf and who don't consider it you know, don't consider it like a handicap. They, they, um, they're very much at peace with what their experience of the world is. And the movie provided so much more of that than I guess I was expecting. So I think that, I mean, that's, I'm just naming one particular aspect of, I think what was beautiful about the movie, but, um, yeah, that, that, uh, that surprised me in a good way. So, Anyway, we both we both really liked it. Is the is the takeaway here, and yeah. uh, and that's great. So let's see, what do we, where do we go from there? I guess themes. So um, yeah, what would you say? I'll t- I, I mean, I'll say the big one for me, the big theme of the film that I feel it's exploring is actually I feel like it's a little bit related. Um, or I would say complements our discussion from last episode on in and of itself, because in and of itself Mm -hmm. is about, as you put it, I think the irreducibility of, you know, your identity and what makes you who you are. And this film, I think confronts you very quickly with the question of what if the thing, what if the biggest thing about you, you know, the, the biggest piece of your identity, call it, were to just be taken away. And then, right. then, then who are you? You know, how do you survive that? What, what becomes of you? How do you cope with that? Is, is that, what does that mean, you know, for who you are? Does it change who you are? And, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like this movie, uh, I feel like that's a big part of this movie. But anyway, that's my answer for theme. What other themes or do you agree or disagree? And, and what other themes would you mention? No, I, I definitely agree with that particular theme. Just thinking about what happens to Ru- to Ruben throughout the course of the film. So it's a character who uh, in the opening act of the film, and I'm sure I'm going to m- maybe oversimplify, but at, at a minimum, there's a few things that get taken away from him. He obviously is a musician who then loses the ability to hear. He's in a codependent relationship with his bandmate and she leaves, right? Mm-hmm. For his, for, you know, it, not in a selfish way, but yeah, it's like, not like you're deaf. I'm out of here. It's, 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 you need to, to see help, need help yeah, yeah. right? And you can't get it with me. So, um, but like his codependent relationship is, is gone. And then for somebody who sort of um, tries to be very much in control of, because he's an addict, he's a recovering addict, and so he's trying to 
like through routine sort of stay healthy, right? Mm-hmm. So he he's got a physical fitness regimen, he's got a diet regimen, right? He's got like they've got this particular uh, they live in an RV and you know everything is in its right place and there's room for everything that, that they need in their lives, right? And so it's this very sort of controlled environment that he's in and all of these things get stripped away from him in that first act. And so the thing that you're talking about, like who are you when all of these things are removed from mm-hmm. what's available to you, um, I think is exactly uh, a thing that this movie's about. I also think um, this movie is about uh, a, those th- sort of the addictiveness of those things, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the you know these are all external things, right? That you know that you sort of build up around yourself. Um, in order to feel like comforted or safe or, you know, um, cause it's like, you need another person, you need your stuff, you need your career, mm-hmm. you need your profession, your occupation. Like these are all things that are external to you and you cannot ultimately control whether you have them or not. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so, but there's sort of an addictiveness to having these external things that you depend on them to get by, right? And it's um, this person, like this person, is an addict that's sort of like core to who Ruben is and who Lou is, for that matter. Um, and it's sort of like, hey, you've swapped out your, um, you know, your drug addictions for like your material or personal addictions, and let's let's live in a world where you can't have any of those things. Mm-hmm. How do you re- how do you react? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's exact. And at one point, you know, in the film, Ruben, in an effort to get his here to get all those things back, Mm -hmm. to get his hearing back, get his girl back, get his RV back, get his career back. Right. He's talking to his sort of mentor slash boss, Joe. Right. Mm -hmm. And Joe says, like, you know, I don't know what led you to this particular circumstance, but to me, you sound like an addict. Right. Right. Um, and so that scene like puts a very fine point on this particular idea. It's like, you're almost like we're addicted to those things that produce our identity. Mm. Right. Like we must have, like we need to have them without them. We fall apart. Right. Um, and so that's sort of one of the things that the movie really hammered home in elegant ways. I thought that, um, you know, I felt like was a really sort of powerful recurring idea in the film. Yeah, I agree. I guess, you know, to, to me, the, the theme would maybe be sort of overcoming addiction, right? It just, just kind of in, in all of its forms and what it takes and, and the, you know, I guess I, I feel like I should tread lightly because it's hard to get into it without, without spoiling stuff. But there's a there's an acceptance that is required. You know, addiction is in some ways mm-hmm. like fighting, always fighting for the thing that you think you need, right? Yeah. And there's a there maybe acceptance is the wrong word, but there's there's some sort of there's like a switch you need to turn off that I think in addicts they they can't they don't know how to turn off or it it it's not something that occurs to them. And, and I think you're right to say that in this story, Ruben, even though he's 
by the at the start of the story, he's already kind of on the other side of his ad- addictions with substance abuse. There's still that's that switch is still on, right? Yes. And uh like addictive personality doesn't just go away yeah, yeah. when you enter a 12-step program, right? And this is this yeah, I've heard many, you know, addicts talk about this, you know, people who have successfully been, you know, sober for many years or whatever it is. It's like it's part of who you are being an addict that it doesn't go away. You find ways to sort of satisfy the needs that you have in healthier ways, whether it's mm-hmm. exercise, you know, it might, it might be things like that, but it's, but it's, yeah. um, I think, I think you're right. That's another big theme of the movie. Any others or <clears throat> have we covered it? Th- those are the ones that I think are the most those are the two big important to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Well, I'm eager to get into the, into the remainder, you know, so we can talk freely. So why don't we just yeah. say from here on out, we're going to be pretty fast and loose with spoilers. Yeah. So, um, Auga. there's the spoiler. There's a, spo- we'll, we'll get a, we'll get an official sound one of these days. The, no, what are you talking about? That is, <laughs> that the, is the official sound. sound. So, uh, <laughs> I've trademarked that sound. Oh, perfect. Um, uh, so, so best think, parts of the movie. Yeah. Well, something that really deserves to be called out in this film is the sound design of the film. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's unbelievable. Um, I watched this movie. It's terrifying. It's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Predominantly, uh, with headphones. That's actually how I watch most movies these days. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, good ones for what it's worth. And, um, and just the sequences of Ruben losing his hearing, right, mm-hmm. are just ter- just terrifying, right? In the same ways that all of us are attached to our senses, right? Mm-hmm. Who, you know, th- those of you who are listening to this podcast, right? Like, just the idea of all of a sudden just everything dropping out. Right. Mm-hmm. Except mm-hmm. for maybe like extreme low end, which is basically what generally I perceive like hearing loss to entail is mm-hmm. like you lose all your high end, lose all the clarity stuff. Right. And what's left is this muddy bottom. Right. Yeah. That you can't like discern what's happening. Um, and just the idea that that could go away and you're just standing there is like there's nothing you can do to retrieve it. Yeah. Right. It's not like wiping something out of your eye, right? You know, you, you got some mud in your eye and you're going to like cry it out or whatever, right? Yeah. It's like, no, it's gone. I think right? they even do show, I seem to recall in one of the early scenes where, where he's first losing his hearing, he's like trying to, to he's like opening his jaw really wide, you know, kind of like you yeah. do if your ears are popping. On it's an like, airplane It's like, yeah, there's a right? few things that you can try to do completely in vain, Right. But right, there are not many. You can't. I'm surprised they didn't show him like getting in there with a Q-tip, just desperately right. hoping that was the problem. You know, right? Because yeah, it's clearly absolutely. it's clearly deeper and and impossible to address, like you say. Yeah. And and can so, I also add? I think not just the sound design, but I'm actually really impressed and kind of curious what they did in terms of um, like syncing kind of coordinating the sound design and his performance 
because I think they right. go together. So what, like what you're hearing as you're watching the film and how he's reacting, I think they go together so perfectly. It, it was like a little bit of a mystery to me. I'm like, how are they, how do they know? Like, are, is, did he act, just act it out? And then they did the sound design to sort of like sure. match up with that. Or, you know, probably the, it was yeah. just a lot of planning and discussing how the scene right. was going to play out. Right. But I just, I just wanted to call out that those two went well, so well together, like his reactions, his facial expressions, how he's, yeah. how he's behaving as you experience his hearing loss kind of along with him felt so perfect and so well done to me. Yeah. Yeah. You really, um, it really feels like you are hearing what's going on inside his yeah. head. Yeah. You know, like it feels to your point, it's so perfectly tuned timing wise and his reactions to what you are hearing in your ear holes. Mm-hmm. You're you like a hundred percent believe like you're hearing the same thing what Ruben's hearing. that he's hearing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's just so, it's like totally immersive and totally convincing as, and, and like elegantly clear, right? Mm -hmm. You're under, there's definitely movies that I've seen. And I think sometimes I think we celebrate this, but where you're looking at something on the screen and you're like, is this point of view? Like, is it, am I seeing what the character is supposed to be seeing right now? Right, or is this ambiguous. something else? Or is this some other perspective? And you, you spend a little bit of time, like, sort of outside of the film, thinking about what you're supposed to think, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You're like, is this, a, you know, what am I looking at right now, right? And sometimes that can be a delightful feeling, but sometimes it's just a confusing feeling. And this movie with the sound design effortless seemingly effortlessly manages to immediately communicate to you like you are in Ruben's head this is what it sounds like yeah right and you immediately get it yeah. right there's no ambiguity as far as like oh what is, you know is this right. like a is this the movie doing something or you know it's like no this is 100% Ruben yeah there were even a couple of scenes where i actually felt this anxiety of There'd be there, you know, there were a couple scenes where the audio was clear at the start of the scene because Mm -hmm. because they were they were letting you hear what the other people in the scene were hearing. And Mm -hmm. I just I I was kind of on edge, like in a moment they're going to transition to what Ruben's hearing and it's going to be so it's going to be so um, difficult to listen to. You know, the, the, the one I have in mind is his hearing test where the guy's, you know, saying words and he can't get the words right. And I'm like, oh man, you know, in a moment you're going to hear what, what the other guy's saying or, 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 you know, you're going to hear what the other guy's saying from Ruben's perspective. And then again, later in the film, when, um, Lou and her father are playing a song and you're just like waiting (laughs) to hear what Ruben's hearing. Cause you know, it's going to, it's going to be devastating. Um, right. Yeah, that's great. Uh, the sound design is is outstanding. I, I it makes me a little sad, but I think it's I, I think it's completely under. I mean, of course, it's understandable, it, and it has to be this way. But I got to say, there's there's something a, l- a little bit about it that makes me sad that the sound design in this film is so good, meaning this critical piece of the movie 
Like you have to have good hearing to appreciate, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, there's, yeah. A, there's a sort of a, a painful irony to that, but. Yeah, this is definitely a movie for a hearing audience. Yeah, it's a, it's a right? movie to help people who can hear have a better understanding and, and, and understand the point of view more of a deaf person. So from that standpoint, it's like, of course it's, it's for people who can hear. Right. Um, right. Uh, but it just, I don't know. I don't even know why I felt like pointing that out. It just, it's a thought that occurred to me. It was like, Oh man, if you were a deaf person watching this movie, you just have to be relying on like, you know, closed captions or whatever that describe like, Sound right. becomes muffled or whatever, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I know what you that's know, like. I do, I do think, though, that just like we were saying a moment ago, I do think that the, not just the, not just Riz Ahmed's performance, but also the camera work mm. does an excellent job of being in synchronicity with the sound in such a way that, like, you know, in the example you provided where Ruben has, you know, mechanically uh, enhanced hearing or aided hearing, Mm -hmm. um, the way that film, the the way that sequence is uh, shown is I think the bulk of the musical performance when it sounds like sort of a beautiful musical performance, Mm -hmm. the camera is dwelling on Lou and her father, right? And then as the camera transitions to Ruben, yep. the audio switches as well. And so I think that's one of the other things that's, you know, that you were commenting that's great about the film is like, in some ways, it's it sounds like ridiculous to say, but even if you had the sound turned off, right, I bet that you could figure out what's happening oh, sure. in this film yeah, yeah, yeah. just by tracking like, what's the camera pointed at? And like, what are what's happening on the actor's faces, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I think that's like just the, the beauty of that, right? These three things, the performance, the camera and the sound all being in sort of like this perfect alignment with each other, um, and doing so effortlessly that you, the viewer sort of just intuitively understand everything that's trying to be communicated to you, Mm -hmm. um, is just, you know, when I, when, when we start describing it out loud, I'm like, I realize how, precise and specific all of these elements have to be to like work perfectly with one another and how it's like different people doing these things. Right. Mm -hmm. And just the idea of these things being in perfect alignment with each other just makes me that much more impressed by the craftsmanship of the film. Yeah, totally agree. That, that actually reminds me of, it's like a totally different issue that I wanted to highlight, but I think it also relates to kind of just, the craftsmanship and the skillful way everything was put together, which is um, we talked about how Ruben is an addict, you know, that he is a former drug addict. And I think it's a really smart decision that the film begins the very beginning of the story. He's already overcome that. And yeah, um, because it's sort of like, I'm sure there was a temptation to spend some amount of time focused on when he was an addict and kind of at his lowest point. So you could sort of see that, but I think yeah. it, you know, it, it would, it would definitely harm the economy of the storytelling. And I think that, um, but at the same time, I think a lot of movies do this thing where a lot of, you know, movies and television shows and so forth, 
do this thing where they take a character and they give them this like dark past, but then Mm -hmm. you can't really see it. It, It's like, Mm -hmm. it's like, it feels, it feels forced. You know, they'll be like, I used to be a drug addict, but you're like, you don't seem like you used to be a drug addict, you know? Right. Sort of feels like the writer just put that in there to, to, to sort of try to make you seem darker, but the performance isn't selling it to me. Whereas I think in this film, it was like good to start past it because that makes the whole film about him dealing with his hearing loss and not like this other thing. But at the same time, I completely believe that he's a recovered addict, you know, like the way, and and actually it, it kind of makes me appreciate his journey all the more because you can see like in a lot of this, the story you're, you're seeing like how strong he is, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, and it's, but it's not like the strength of someone who was always this strong. It's like the strength of someone who's overcome something and values that progress. He's made so much that like, I don't know about you. I was not really nervous about Ruben, like falling back into drugs or anything. I was like, mm. he's, he is, you know, he's determined to, to, to keep to like sort of retain the gains that he's made and he's Mm -hmm. just dealing with this now. Um, but anyway, I don't know if, I don't know if you agree. Um, but, and and I don't know if I'm even articulating what I appreciated so much about it. I just really liked that it started with him already past that, but was very, but it, but it was the way the story was told and the performance to me, um, made it feel really true. Like that, that was his past and it was all consistent with the way he handled the things, you know, the, the, the trials life threw at him through this story. But, but the story itself was all about the hearing loss. Like it didn't distract us with him like falling back into drugs or anything like that. If that makes sense. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, I think that's right. I think those things would have been a distraction to what the movie's primarily about. And in that way, like the movie didn't sort of, uh, you know, bite at the, this thing that I think probably a lesser movie would view as sort of like juicy conflict yeah. territory. Right. It's like, oh, well, he's an addict, so we could have him backslide. Right. Like that's dramatic material. Yeah. That's like, you know, that, that's, that's where he could I, give an Oscar scene. It, right. Like, right. I, that's kind of what it what I'm, I think I'm getting at is it, it feels like there was this temptation there to to like mine that you know, subject matter more. And, and it feels like something a lesser movie would have done. But I think this movie was, was more, it was more confident. It knew, you know, this movie knew that we didn't need to do that. Right. Ruben. Right. Yeah. Like at one point in the film, I don't know that I had the same confidence that you did that it was, or was not going to do something. But at one point, you know, relatively early in the film, Ruben has a cigarette. Mm -hmm. Right. And, Lou, his girlfriend, you know, treats that as a big deal, right? Because she's like, this is the gateway to you doing more stuff that, you know, you should not do. Mm -hmm. And Ruben's like, I've got it, right? Mm -hmm. You know, considering the circumstances of me having lost my hearing today. I think this is just, I think it's okay for me to have a cigarette, right? Yeah. And that's one of those like Chekhov's gun things 
that like it's early in the film and I was like, you know, I'm like Lou, mm-hmm. right? I've been mm-hmm. conditioned by many years of watching movies where people are addicted to drugs to be like, oh no, this is how it starts, right? And yeah. let and let the long string of self-destructive behavior begin, mm-hmm. right? That's sort mm-hmm. of what I was imagining was going to be the case. But I think ex- that's one of the reasons the movie was I found to be delightful because the movie's like, yeah, we've all seen that movie. Yeah. And that's not that's not what this movie's interested in. Right. Right. Um let's let it be like yes, he needs a cigarette, but that's all he needs is a cigarette. I, I think I think right? it would also you know, if it were, you know, like a lesser movie and and gave in to the temptation to to go in that direction, I think it would have undermined the point you were making earlier about what he's addicted to now. He still has an addiction, right? Right. But he right. wants his life back. He wants to be with Lou. He wants to be on a tour. He wants to be playing drums. He wants right. that back. And that's what he's obsessed with now. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah. And just to clarify something, when I said like I wasn't worried about him, um, you know, regressing back into that lifestyle, I don't, that's not, that's not me saying I was very confident that wouldn't happen. I, I guess what I'm, what I should have said was, I wasn't really interested in that. I was just, I was so interested in what was going to happen with how he was dealing with being deaf that, right. that it wasn't like, Oh, is he going to do drugs again? Like, I think that would have just been a distraction. Yeah, um, so totally. yeah, I really liked, I just really liked how the movie handled all of that. Um, other best parts of the movie. What else do you want to, there's so about? many. Yeah. There's so many, and I and I do want to talk about all of them because I don't feel like it is a um, it's a situation where it's like, well, the whole movie's great, so let's just talk about the whole movie. It's like there are part, there are. I'm not gonna cite the entire movie, but there are several noteworthy parts that I feel like need to get called out. All right. Um, so uh, just to sort of reecho the the sequence where he's getting his hearing tested for the first time, mm-hmm. right? Um. The moment specifically when the audio cuts to what sort of the hear like the the able hearing person would be able to hear, mm-hmm. right? And the the doctor, the audiologist is just giving word after word after word, and Ruben is wrong, 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 mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Just like that moment so clearly articulates like this is how bad it is. Yeah. Right. Make he no mistake about it. Yeah, yeah. He cannot communicate. He cannot make out a single word that another person is saying to him. Right. Yeah. Um, and just so powerful to sort of like have the rug yanked out from under you that way so that you can, cause you're hearing what Ruben's hearing initially. And it's like, maybe, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe he's right, mm-hmm. you know? And then like that sequence, that cut, you know, that or is sort of just to hammer it home. It's like, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like whatever, Whatever weird hope you, the listener, have, like, recuse yourself of that because that's gone, right? Yep. Um, loved that. Uh, and then um, I think I'll, I'll use the, the next sequence that I love. And I think this is, like, very obviously an important, like, sequence in the film. I think this is one of the, you know, if one of the, if uh, any of these actors get nominated for an Oscar, like, this will be the scene mm-hmm. <laughs> that they show. But the scene where Ruben... Uh, has um, had some uh, has had his procedure 
done. Mm-hmm. So spoiler alert, Ruben, you know, two thirds of the way through the movie chooses to get a surgical procedure done where he gets mechanical implants in the, uh, to bypass his ears and sort of trick his brain into perceiving hearing the same way that, um, you or I might imagine ourselves to be hearing. And so, uh, but he hasn't had the devices enabled mm-hmm. yet, right? And he goes to Joe, the his mentor, the person who has sort of like trained him, like taught him all about the deaf community and what it's like to be deaf and like given him the tools that he needs to be a member of that community. And, uh, and he asks Joe for money, right? Mm-hmm. Because he needs to be able to get his RV back because he wants all he wants his life back right and just the the way that joe sort of absolutely uh, lovingly but also heartbroken right tells him he's like you can't you You can't can't have made the choice that you've made and remain here yeah right so you have to leave now Mm -hmm. right just that sequence of ruben um wanting so badly to be able to be in both worlds at the same time. Right. Yeah. He's like, I want, um, and, and Joe saying like, I fundamentally disagree with the choice that you've made. Uh, but at the same time, I wish you happiness and peace and joy. Right. Like, I hope this works out for you for something like that. Right. Right. Yeah, ab- just that whole conversation is, um, I think, in a, again, in like a lesser movie, there would be anger in that conversation. Mm-hmm. There would be, but it's like, these are two people who genuinely care about each other and want what's right for each other. Um, and uh, But they just are now at different points in their lives where they can't, be together anymore. Like they can't coexist in the same way they used to. Right. And it's just heartbreaking and true, but it's like, it has the genuine feel of, of two people who have love for one another needing to separate. Right. And it's just, it's just a miraculous performance by, by Riz Ahmed and and Paul Racy that, um, you know, just will really stick with me. Yeah, no, I agree. That was a great scene. I'm curious if you think, you said he wanted to be in both worlds at the same time. I don't think he wanted to be in the deaf world. Do you think he 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 did? Uh, I think he wanted to be able to pass back and forth mm. as needed, right? Because to, to like, I could just stay. I could hang out here for a little while. Yeah. While I wait. But see, but like to me, I mean, obviously, he now knows he can he he can speak sign language, right? But, but to me, um, I think part of what Joe is saying is your decision to have this surgery is, is a rejection of this community, you know, um, like, and I think he's right. I think Ruben is like, I don't want to be part of this. I want to be part of, I still think of that world out there as better. Mm -hmm. And this was Mm -hmm. like, I had to deal with this for a while, but I saved up money and I got my surgery 
And, you know, and I, and I, I respect you. I, you know, have, have very warm feelings for you and everybody here, but like, I want that better life. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, so, I mean, you know, it's, it's sort of like, it's a, firstly, it's a fictional character. And secondly, even if it were a real character, we can't read minds. So I guess we're both, we're both just kind of interpreting, but my feeling was really that he didn't, he still, he didn't want to be deaf. You know. Well, I guess my, my I, I think I, I think I agree with you, and I guess my point is I don't think Ruben had thought that clearly about it. Right, right, right. But I think that scene is so. To me, what's so remarkable about that scene, or one of the things that's so remarkable, is is that Joe understands what Ruben's done more clearly than Ruben does. Yes, right? yeah, and yeah. that's why Joe is like, "You can't be here now. I know you." So it's it's sort of like you came in here to ask for money because you think that we're friends and we, Mm -hmm. you know, and I do care about you, but you just thought it was a reasonable thing to come in and ask someone who really cares about you for some money and you'll pay them back. But what you're not understanding is that what you've done is come in here and say that everything we're doing is, Mm -hmm. is not, is a less, is an inferior Yeah, is an inferior life, and you're and you're better than this, and you want to go off and do your better thing now. And mm-hmm. what I'm trying to teach everyone here is that this is not an inferior life, and to mm-hmm. have you and I just can't, I can't have you here. Basically, you know, I I can't have you here undoing all of the progress that I've made with right. some of these people who live here. So, right. Cause you'll just be milling around, basically providing, sending the message to everyone. Like I'm just here until I can find something better. Yeah. Which yeah, incidentally yeah. I have, and I'm going to be leaving in like two weeks. Right. Right. It's, it's sort of like Ruben, it's like Ruben wouldn't say the words I'm better than you, but, right. but Joe is saying your actions are saying you're better than us, you know? Yeah. Um, that's right. And, and that's why you now need to go. And again, you know, and again, Joe is, Joe's, you know, Joe has been around. He's seen some things. He's a little bit wiser than Ruben. And he's sort of, yep. he's like, I wish you the best. Um, yep. But no, anyway, so yep. total plus one, I'm with you. That That's a great scene. I mean, really the whole, like you said, we don't want to just, uh, just kind of go start to finish frame by frame, right? But the, the whole segment of the movie, which is, it's probably not a, I don't know. It might be a full third of the movie of just him mm-hmm. in that um, center, you know, wh- whatever, yeah. whatever it is. I'm not exactly sure. Sort of a school, sort of like a. Yeah, um, that's right. Like a community. But um, that whole portion is is really well done. You know, he. And again, it, it's like I think it's really skillfully done. It's like there's a lot of movies that attempt to cover a large duration with just like a montage or whatever and it and you yeah. don't really feel it but I think the movie I think this movie just it it does a very excellent job showing that he forms relationships he mm-hmm. learns the language he becomes mm-hmm. involved in the activities you know mm-hmm. he and he does things with the kids right he gets involved right. he's sort of like a another adult role model who, who actually enjoys, you know, participating in like some of these school and educational activities. It, it really conveys that really effectively and really economically, I think with just a small number of scenes, 
you know, something as yeah. simple as him, like doing a, the, the, the tattoo for one of, you know, for a friend who's sort of, you gather is sort of like a little bit, they, they have a little bit more in common, you know, yeah. like what, whether it's metal or just being a little more rebellious or whatever it is, you know, right. Um, but he seems to hit it off with this one woman and it's, and it's the tattoo. And then she also turns out to be the person who kind of helps him sell his gear. Right. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just think it's like a masterfully sequenced segment of the film where it's like, it's not a huge amount of time, you know? Right. But, but it really does cover just his whole time there. And, uh, and, it's I, I just I have to think that what it comes down to is that every scene they chose to include is is like carrying a lot of weight, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. That is one of my favorite scenes in the film is there's a point where um, he goes. I can't, I, I'm I'm probably going to get the details slightly wrong because it's been a little while since I saw the movie, but um there's one point where he goes to his first class and he's with elementary age school children mm-hmm. and they are communicating in sign language and it's very difficult for him because it's his first time in that environment. And I imagined the movie was going to do the thing that lesser movies do, which is like, all right, we're going to go through a whole thing mm-hmm. where he like leaves and then like, Joe has to come and like talk to him and then he's going to begrudgingly come back and it's going to be like a whole thing. Right. And instead the movie just cuts ahead like some number of months or whatever in the future. And he just knows the kids by name and he is signing with them and he has like thrown himself into like becoming like a capable member of the community of the deaf community there. And I just remember like, being sort of overjoyed that like I didn't have to go through the cliched part of a film where it's like, here's where he like, you know, runs away Mm -hmm, and like, mm -hmm. you know, and then like comes like slinking back eventually through an inspirational conversation. It's like, no, like cut all that stuff. Like just get to the, that might even have happened in the story of this movie, but it's like, doesn't matter. Right. What matters is it's like, yeah, you know, it, just like anyone who's in a situation that they're very inclined to fight against right. and, and it's difficult for them to accept, there was probably, the beginning was hard. You know, it was hard for him to kind of accept his his new place and what his new life yeah. was and everything. But none of that is needs to be shown in this movie. Yeah, I think the thing is like, there's no, like, artificial conflicts in this movie, right? Like the whole thing we talked about mm-hmm. where it's like, well, he could have done like a whole drug addiction thing. It's like, yeah, he could have, right? Or it's like, there could have been a whole like, I reject the deaf community thing, right? Like mm-hmm. they could have done that. But those are just sort of like the movie just imposing, like the, those would not serve any purpose in the right. film. They would just be like sort of, wrote conflicts that movies like this typically have. Yeah. Or another one just to add to yes. And there, another one would be when he goes back to Lou, they could have made it like Lou has moved on, moved. Lou's got a new Mm -hmm. boyfriend, you know, they could have Mm -hmm. made that a thing, but it's like, why, (laughs) how would that, how would that add to the message of the movie? So, yeah, I, I think, I think what we're kind of 
some of the things we've said throughout this conversation are kind of all for me reinforcing that this film has a really clear, you know, point it's making and it's really, Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's, uh, it's really disciplined, right? Yeah. In, in, it's, it's not distracted by just movie stuff. Yeah. It's putting all its energy on this one thread, which I love. Right. Totally know who you are and do the thing. Um, and so uh, just loved that the movie was just cut to that because it goes to show um, he is a very capable person, mm-hmm. right? I think, like, something that's always really, like, not enjoyable for me are, like, movies about screw-ups, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, like, people who just, like, can't get out of their own way and keep making the same mistakes over and over again. And it's, like, yes, that happens in life. Totally, mm-hmm. Right. But it's not like interesting narratively to like just rip your hair out when you're watching a person make the same mistakes over and over again, mm. right? And this movie's like, nope, Ruben's not going to do that, right? Ruben is going to make mistakes like one time and then he's going <laughs> to like realize that they are mistakes yeah. and then like do the rational thing, right? The narratively interesting thing that's going to happen next, right? Um, and so uh, I just really appreciated the movie for not like wasting my time, you know? I agree. You know what, though? I, I think something I would say in response to that, because I agree, Ruben is, I think from the beginning, we understand Ruben sets goals and he achieves his mm-hmm. goals. And yeah. that actually becomes an important point in the movie where, you know, I think Joe stops, he's like fixing the roof or something somewhere. Yeah. He's like fixing a yeah. leak in the roof. And Joe stops him. And pulls him aside. And this is when Joe gives him this assignment of, I want you to just sit in this room yeah. and do nothing. And if you can't yeah. do nothing, I want you to write. And I think it's, you know, the movie doesn't, uh, you might disagree. To, to me, the movie leaves it a little bit vague as to exactly what problem Joe is trying to solve there. But to me, yeah. to me, it's the fact that Ruben needs a goal. And right. Joe is someone who, again, you know, has 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 been around the block a few times and he relates to what Ruben is looking for. And what he's kind of trying to point out to Ruben is you can't sit still. You know, mm-hmm. you can't um, you can't be at peace. And this is a skill you're lacking. Right. It's it mm-hmm. kind of plays into the addiction. Right. The, the, the yes. addictive side of his nature, which is you just, it's like, yeah, it's great. Like you said earlier, you know, Ruben's not going to repeat the same mistakes because Ruben, if he makes a mistake, he'll set a goal to rectify it and then he'll yeah. work he's, on meeting he's very that driven. goal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But Joe is, Joe sees that there's another side to that. You know, it's a double edged sword where it's great right. for solving problems, but it makes you incapable of accepting something that needs to be accepted. And yes. in the case of, you know, obviously the, the primary thing here that needs to be accepted is you're deaf now. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and, but, but I think sitting in a room is sort of, it's more broad than that. It's like, accept everything, you know? Yes. There's nothing you need to get done right now. Um, Right. And to me, it's kind of like a yin and yang thing. Like it's, and this might be just me more philosophizing, like sort of outside the movie, but 
I don't think the movie is making the point that like you shouldn't have goals or like you shouldn't try no. to change your station in life. Right. But at the same time, um, if that's all you're doing all the time and all you can do, then there's something, there's something very much missing, you know? Um, right. And I think it's what he sort of ultimately gets to at the very end of the movie. Right. Yeah. Which I think is, but I, and really. I think like there's a big difference between ha- like pursuing a goal because you genuinely care about that thing and it, and it would be a worthy endeavor for you to have achieved that goal. Like in a vacuum, fixing a roof is a worthy goal, mm-hmm. right? Cause it's like, we don't want leaks in the roof. That's an unpleasant situation. Like we should fix it. Right. But Ruben chooses to have these goals, not because of what the goals inherently are, but because they are in some ways a distraction yeah. from him accepting himself right? Like he needs to, there are certain things about himself that he cannot change. He will never go back to being a fully hearing person. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is, and Joe says this like at the very first time they meet, right? Joe points at his ears and he says, we're not trying to fix this. Then he points at his temp at his forehead. And he's like, we're trying to, we're trying to fix this. Mm -hmm. Right. This is a mindset problem. People feel like they have to go back to being able to hear that's never happening. Mm -hmm. Right. What is going to happen is you're going to learn to be a person who can't hear and you're going to be fine and you have to be fine with it. Right. Yeah. Um, and Ruben instead is like, well, I'm just going to always focus on going either going back to who I was before, which is like my ultimate goal. Right. Or in moments where I'm not doing that, I'm going to have some other goal mm-hmm. to do because I'm, I refuse to accept that just I am who I am, yeah. right? I have to, f- I have to be fixing something. So to your point, it's like, um, I agree. I don't think the movie's saying like, you know, want nothing, man. Yeah. Right. But it's like, want, you know, like the things that you want cannot be in conflict with who you fundamentally are. Right. Cause that's a losing game. Yeah. And I think, um, so yeah, just Joe is just a tremendous gift, right? Like I would just, I just want a super cut of every scene that Joe is in, in this movie. I just want to watch them again yeah. because like, I just loved being in his presence every time. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. So Joe, we're, I guess we're saying Joe is one of the best parts of the movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Joe's a fantastic creation. I know nothing about Paul Racy, this actor. Yeah. Um, you know, and to your point, like I'm not particularly well informed when it comes to the deaf community. So I don't know how sort of, you know, air quotes, like accurate his performance is or how accurate that community is. But it's but kind of for the purposes of the film, you know, he feels very doesn't real. matter. Yeah, he feels very real. And it and it, it and it feel he doesn't feel like um like a magical person. Mm-hmm. Right. Doesn't feel like he's he's just somehow got all of this Zen wisdom right? Like in unearned ways, Mm -hmm. he feels like a real person who's been through real experiences and is like, look, you're going to figure out your life on your own timetable. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling, but my perspective is that these are, this is what is true and this is what you have to be okay with. And just like, like, I don't know. I just gave like, many percentage points more 
sort of um, like I put I just put extra stock in everything Joe said in the film because I was like, this guy knows what he's talking about, like in all things. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Oh, you know, and, and actually I thought of one more. Um, we were giving ex- examples of the movie not um, not giving in to distractions or artificial conflicts that lesser movies might have thrown in there. I just thought of another one, which is which I think relates to the kind of person Joe is, which is uh, a number of times while uh, Ruben is at this deaf center, he sneaks into Joe's office to like check his email. Uh-huh. And I, uh-huh. I, the first yeah. time it happened, I was like, uh oh, Joe's gonna like catch him one of these times, right? You know, yes. And it it just didn't happen. And and I, you know, there was like I think one time when the one door was locked, but then just yeah, he went in a different way, you know, and it was fine. Yeah. And I'm like, Joe's not, he's not like a tyrant, you know. Right. He's not um, he's not like monitoring. He's not like watching Ruben and he's not going to go right. up there and be like, you can't check your email. It's right. He's much more. Um, he trusts, you know, he 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 chooses to trust people and have high expectations of them. Right. And yeah. and it's like in these moments, Ruben is kind of. You know, he's kind of cheating. He's kind of not following the rules because he's not supposed to be like connected to the outside world. Right. But that's that's not the way Joe operates is not like cornering someone who's done that and and, you know, interrogating yeah. them. It, it just right. didn't you happen. Think- and, and I was like, yeah, that's yet another thing that could have been a source of conflict that the movie could have been like. And here's a little thing to spice things up and add a little excitement, but it's like doesn't matter again, you know. Right. Has nothing yeah. to do with what we're trying to say here. You know, this is all about Ruben's journey. So Yeah, and like the and you realize in hindsight that the reason for showing Ruben going to the computer is not because it's like rule of three, the third time he's gonna get caught kind of thing. It's because Ruben feels guilty about it. Mm. Right. It's because Ruben knows that he's kind of going against what that place is all about. Right. And he's trying to sort of have his cake and eat it, too. Yeah. Right. And that's what we're watching. We're not he's watching not to your point. He's not accepting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and so it's like it's it's it, I think it's exactly right. You're conditioned through years of watching movies to think like he's going to get caught. When someone looks over their shoulder, they're going to get caught mm-hmm. eventually. Right. Um uh, and, and, and yet, you know, it's just another example of this movie, um, subverting expectations in useful and rewarding ways. Yep. And then, okay. Let, I mean, it, it has to be mentioned. Uh, I don't know about you. For me, the very last shot of the film, we've, we've gone through a number of settings and situations with him, with his cochlear implants cochlear implants, however you pronounce it. Um, yeah. We've heard the sound of metal. We understand the title of the movie on a whole new level, right? Yeah. Because it's this mechanical sort of robotic, um, just tinny r- sound. Really, yeah. yeah, really mm-hmm. unpleasant kind of cacophonous sound that he now, that he's now, you know, hearing everywhere he goes. And he sits down on a park bench, I think it is, 
and the the church bells are ringing and they it just sounds awful you know it it's mm-hmm. um and i think it's almost like you know your standard you have to be brought brought lower to to mm-hmm. to rise higher he uh he just realizes he's just sitting there and wants you know to to me it's like he wants some peace and quiet and so he turns it right. off and then it's completely silent and i think the movie has done at that point a really effective job at making silence feel so pleasant right yes. he's been bombarded with this noise and to turn it off and then to just see his face sort of like relax and sort of take yeah. it in and sort of just feel contentment and stillness, you know, as Joe, as Joe kind of encouraged him to feel mm-hmm. earlier in the movie for seemingly the first time, you know, yeah. to me it was definitely one of those just sublime moments of like, yes, it's quiet. You know, this is good. This is good. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. No, a hundred percent agree. Like everything in the film is building toward that, that scene and it's you know absolutely wonderful um because we've been with Ruben as he has his uh his implants turned on um as he's at that dinner party as he's listening to Lou and her father play piano and it's just it's just this assaultive uh experience right yeah. to um to be subjected to hearing the world that way, the way the movie portrays it. Um, yes, there's some utility in it, right? Like if you're in a situation where you do need to be able to hear what some, what somebody's saying in like a one-on-one conversation, mm-hmm. you get some utility out of it. Yeah. But overwhelmingly it is a, um, unpleasant, uh, artificial, uh, experience. And for him to, accept that, that that's all it's going to be, right? It's this, it's a util, it's a utilitarian tool that he can use to, to communicate with the world. But, um, but it is not enhancing his, like his, his life or like his joy of life in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. And the only way to experience what, you know, Joe calls, you know, the kingdom of God right mm-hmm. is to just shut everything up and just be still and look at a tree <laughs> right? right and it, it it's just a, a stunningly beautiful you know transcendent moment um perfect and, perfect yeah, it's, ending it, shot it, it, it's a per, it's a perfect ending uh i'm reminded of there's um i think i've talked about this uh at other parts in the pod, but there's, um, in the Vladimir Nabokov, uh, autobiography called speak memory. He talks about, uh, thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. And it's this idea of the idea, the, the idea is opposite. And then ultimately you finding some reconciliation and being able to have these two competing things Mm -hmm. simultaneously. Right. And that's sort of how I feel about the structure of the film, right? The first, third of it roughly is, you know, um, this really sort of difficult experience that's like very abrasive. Like there's loud music, there's, there's pain, 
Mm-hmm. There is, um, you know, like the, the this creep of addiction, right? Uh, and it's just a really sort of like aggressive, abrasive first third. And then the, the second third is this sort of idyllic, beautiful, like experience of him being on this farm, right? And it's like he... And by the th- and that final shot is sort of him figuring out a way to like be accepting of the fact that you know both of those things are gone, mm-hmm. right? Um, and he just has to be able to like be by him, be with himself first and foremost, and be alone with his own thoughts and stillness before he can move on to whatever the next phase of his life will be. Yeah. Um, that synth that synthesis of that that pulling together of all the things he's learned throughout the first you know the first you know 119 minutes of the movie right um, just makes for just a, a beautiful viewing experience. Yeah, yeah. It feels like it feels like a new beginning to me for him because right. I think it, I think that scene is kind of preceded by him talking to Lou and he says you know it's okay. I think is what he says. Mm-hmm. And he said, he's, he repeats mm-hmm. it a few times and she's like, why are you saying that? You know, she doesn't realize right. what he's saying is this is over, you know, like, yeah, that we're never going to perform together. You know, that, that right. I, I'm doing, we're not even going to be together. I don't even know. Right? Yeah. It's, and, and the, the closing shot to me is just so, I think bittersweet is probably the best word because it's on the one hand, it is sad that all of these threads, you know, in his life up till now are pretty much come to an end, but, but he's going to have a future as a deaf Mm -hmm. person and it, it really could be anything, you know, it's, and he's, and he's in a very peaceful state is kind of how I view the very last frame, you know, yeah. he's in a peaceful state and it's sort of, it's almost like a newborn, you know, it's like the, the future could be anything now. Um, yep. in a way it's a, you know, it's, it's a, it, at the same time as something's been taken, it is also a gift. So, right. Um, yeah, just beautiful. Love it. We, uh, we generally go next to fix the movie. Is there anything you want to fix about this movie? No, I got nothing. I mean, I loved it. I, I mean, yeah. in case you couldn't tell from the first 70 minutes of this conversation, yeah. I just, I loved it. Uh, I expected to be, you know, as I called out in the beginning, like in a defensive posture the entire time. And by the end, my, my heart was wide open <laughs> and I was just like, just like, you know, it was just a, a vessel for for me to just like absorb the the joy of watching this like really really beautiful movie. Yeah, you know what I think is makes a big part of that. There's nobody, unless I'm forgetting somebody. No one in this movie is cruel or bad. You know, right? Everyone, yeah. um, everyone is trying to be good. Everybody cares mm-hmm. about the the protagonist. You know, it's, it's a, in that way, it's a very warm movie, actually, (laughs) like a, like Mm -hmm. a shockingly warm movie for something called Sound of Metal because Lou cares about him. Joe cares about him. Even Lou's dad, you know, um, at the end who sort of their meeting is his, is her dad kind of confessing like, 
I didn't used to, you know, think so highly of you, but I got to say, I can see how you, you know, I can see how supportive you were of my daughter and, you know, I, I, I appreciate you. And it's, yeah. so I think to me that, that all, that all contributed to, you know, the, uh, probably what you're gearing up for the kind of movie that's like really painful and where someone goes through, um, you know, a huge amount of suffering to, to get whatever it is they want to get. Often it involves people being cruel to them or people being Mm -hmm. cold to them. And Mm -hmm. Ruben, that's not, that's not what this movie, um, focuses on, you know, I'm sure there are people who are mean to Ruben in his life. Right. But none of them are in this story. So, um, well, and I think, cause I think the movie is like, is clear with the idea that life is hard enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just yeah. like, just living is yeah. hard enough. Um, we don't need extra people. We don't need extra antagonists being cruel for invented reasons. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's hard enough to just, uh, accept that you've been dealt like a physiological, setback it's hard to deal with just being alone with yourself right and the movie does such a great job dramatizing that right like i feel like lots of movies that have these sort of internal struggles um you know the characters end up feeling so blank or empty because the movie's saying well it's an internal problem it's like yeah but i don't like i can't you're not putting me inside their head mm-hmm. in a way that helps me, you know, like understand the problem that they're experiencing. They just feel like a person making bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Right. And this movie like does such an excellent job through all the tricks and tools that we talked about earlier of putting you firmly in Ruben's perspective that you understand exactly the struggle that he's yeah. having and why it's this internal thing um, that, is very dramatic despite the fact that to your point, there's not a, there's no real, there's not a lot of external antagonism happening. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, I mean, it says a lot about a movie, you know, that it can be so compelling without like an enemy or an antagonist. A bad guy. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Well, since neither of us has anything to say about fixing the movie, it's time to go to our final question, which is, do we beam it up or not? So hard. <laughs> beam it up so hard. Yeah, that's a, um, that's a pretty big yes for me, too. So, yeah. so two thumbs up on beaming this up for the astronaut. That was a terrible beam up. I did you want to do a redo? job there. <laughs> uh, no, it's going to be it's going to be embarrassing and bad. I'll, we'll, I'll, I'll do I'll push the button later off mic. OK. I'll beam it twice just to make sure. Um, yeah, this one, this one, this one definitely stands out to me. You know, I don't know if I'm, I'd have to think about all the films we saw last year and kind of actually compile a list, but it's, it's in the top, it's in the top tier undoubtedly for me. It, it, it's a special movie in a year when what's kind of crazy to think is, you know, in a typical year, I might not have even seen this movie like a, like right. an Amazon prime. I mean, maybe it would have come out in theaters. Maybe it did come out in theaters. I don't even know. Um, right. But you know, in, in a year where there were like superhero movies and James Bond and 
all this stuff coming out in theaters, like I might not have made a time for a movie like this. So I'm, I'm so glad that we both watched it because I thought it was great. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously a movie like this can't anticipate the moment in which it will be released, but uh, for a movie whose sort of like cathartic climactic moment involves a person being alone with themselves and being very accepting of that, it feels very appropriate for a year when people are stuck at home, you know, with like a lot more time to just think about who they are and, you know, what they are in this world. So, um, you know, whether by design or by accident, either way, I think the movie is a great partner to to the moment as well. Yep. Well said. All right. Well, anyway, we hope the, uh, we hope you enjoy that. Mr. Astronaut, that sound of metal. And we'll, We'll uh, see you again soon. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan. I'm Adam. Goodbye.